country how absolutely foolish people are. Decisions that they make, not based on wisdom and knowledge and understanding, but based on the gratification of the moment now. And you see, one of the mistakes he made here was this. His focus here was on what? His focus was on the material and not on the spiritual. He wasn't looking to God. He was looking at the thing before him. And you see, if we're not careful, that's exactly what Satan will do. He said, how can I always go out my focus on Jesus Christ? Well, my friend, listen. If you get on your knees in the morning and get in this book and get your focus right, you see, uh, if you wear glasses, you have to put them on and adjust them. Or you who wear contacts, you very meticulously put them in to be sure they're just right. And then you can see. All right? You know why we don't focus right spiritually? It's because we don't take time to adjust our spiritual eyesight. Then we wonder why things are foggy to us. You see, he wasn't focused on what was real. He was focused on the unreal. Soup can be replaced. You see, the problem is this. Now watch this. Every single thing Satan offers you, to get you to do his will, God's going to give it to you only better. May not be the same thing. May not be the same way, but it's going to be better and it's going to be fulfilling and contending and Satan's choice won't be. Get this last thing down. One of the mistakes that Esau made that so many people make is this. He took the line of least resistance. He took the line of least resistance. Now listen. Taking the line of least resistance is what makes men and rivers go crooked. Sometimes the pressure gets on you. And you know what God wants you to do. You know exactly what the Lord wants you to do. And the line of least resistance is to be disobedient. And you see, here's what we do oftentimes. We explain it and we do all kinds of rationalizing. We say, now, Lord, you know how I feel. And we tell him all this stuff, and then we deliberately and knowingly take a step out of the will of God, and sometimes it is irrevocable. Sometimes the decision that's made can never be changed again. And the only thing you can do is pick up the pieces because you have forsaken God's best for something the world has to offer, and it won't even satisfy in the beginning or the end. Let me ask you this. When the devil tempts you, are you prone to take the line of least resistance and just go ahead and do what he tempts you to do? Then you remember this. That's why men and rivers go crooked. They just take the line of least resistance. And you go all through this Bible, and especially in that 11th chapter of Hebrews, all through these saints of God, why do you think their names are in this book? Their names are in this book, in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, the roll call of faith, because these were men and women who refused to take the line of least resistance and stood even in the midst of trials and heartaches and hardships and suffering, even unto death. Their names are in the book because their devotion to Jesus Christ exceeded their devotion to the world. They were thinking about the future, not the present. They were thinking about spiritual things, not fleshly. They were thinking about the responsibility and the privilege and the prominence that God will provide for them when they get to heaven. Children of God, children of the King, 
not this little earthly short life we have. You see, if we just think about what it's all about, it's so short. Think about spending your life in such a short, cramped period of whether it's 40, 60, 70, 85, or 100 years. 100 years compared to eternity is like one grain of sand in the middle of the Pacific on the bottom. And you want to risk all of that for one little old satisfaction that, that you think will satisfy you for the moment and it's because you've got Satan's blinders on and you cannot see the truth. When Satan tempts you with his choice, you ask yourself this question, what will this do for me for the future? Is this spiritual or fleshly? Is my focus on God or is it on myself? Is this the line of least resistance? Or am I willing to stand firm and say no, that I choose the Lord God Almighty and His way for my life? Listen, you can never go wrong choosing God's right. You can never go wrong. But you can't ever be right choosing what's wrong. You're listening to In Touch, the teaching ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley. If you're considering an offer that is out of the will of God, stop and seek the Lord right away to find the courage and determination to say no. To listen again, click the link to Today on Radio at InTouch.org. And that's where you can learn more about consistently walking in God's will. If you'd like to have a copy of today's complete message, you can order it from our online bookstore. The title is Forsaking God's Best. Our web address again is intouch.org or call 1-800-IN-TOUCH. If you prefer, you can write to us at InTouch, Post Office Box 7900, Atlanta, Georgia 30357. Hard to pronounce names and ancient places. There's so much more to the Old Testament than that. Today's Moment with Charles Stanley is coming up. Trusting God each day can be a challenge, but working to grow that trust brings greater joy and peace than we could ever find on our own. In Trusting God with Today, the new 365-day devotional from the teachings of Dr. Charles Stanley, we are encouraged to believe in God's love and rest in His purpose for us. Pre-order at intouch.org slash today. Have you ever forgotten something God taught you when you were reading the Bible? When we take note of what God reveals to us, it helps us to apply it to our lives. With the Charles F. Stanley Life Principles Journal, you can keep track of your spiritual journey and be transformed by God's truths. This journal features artwork of Dr. Stanley's 30 life principles, lined pages for writing, a prayer journaling section, and more. To order, call 1-800-IN-TOUCH or go to intouch.org slash journal. You're listening to In Touch. Do you ever find that you diminish the importance of the Old Testament? With Insight for Believers, here's A Moment with Charles Stanley. Now in 1 Corinthians, there are two verses of Scripture in chapter 10 that I want you to notice. Because once in a while somebody says, well, you know, I like reading the New Testament, but I don't particularly get too excited about the Old Testament. Well, I want to say to people who feel that way, 
when they think about the idea of not reading the Old Testament and uh, reading the New Testament, some of God's most precious truths are found within the life and the incidences in the lives of those people in the Old Testament. Sometimes we miss those because we think we're just reading narratives. We must ask the Lord to teach us how to read between the lines to find out what is God saying, not merely what are the events that are taking place. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 6 says, speaking of the Old Testament, now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And now again in verse 11. Now all these things happen unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. God has given us these examples in the Old Testament to profit us, as he says, in order that you and I may eliminate from our life or avoid making the same mistakes. You'll find help with studying the whole Bible at InTouch.org. Tomorrow on In Touch, most Christians have heard that Satan is our constant enemy, opposing everything that's godly. But there's also another enemy we need to be aware of. Hear about the troublemaker within us when you join us Tuesday for In Touch, the teaching ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley. This program is a presentation of In Touch Ministries, Atlanta, Georgia, and remains on this station through the grace of God and your faithful prayers and gifts. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Fourteen-year-old Sage Blair had already been through a lot by the time she was legally adopted by her grandparents. And when she entered high school, she began to experiment, as many of her friends were, with her so-called gender identity. All the while, the school deliberately withheld information from her adoptive parents. Sage was encouraged to adopt the name Draco, claim male pronouns, and use the boys' bathroom. Only after Sage was physically assaulted by a group of boys in that bathroom did her parents find out what was happening. So Sage ran away. After connecting with an online quote-unquote friend, she was drugged, trafficked, and sexually exploited. Nine days later, she was located by the FBI in Baltimore. Testifying before a House subcommittee in Virginia, Michelle Blair remembered that drive to pick up her daughter, where she found out that she and her husband had actually been summoned before a Maryland judge for their refusal to support their daughter's so-called transition. Quote, they didn't even tell Sage that we came for her. We finally enter the courtroom and Sage appears on a huge Zoom screen from a prison cell. She looks tiny and broken and I cry out, I love you, Sage. And Sage responds, I love you too, Nana. That's when Sage's state-appointed attorney rebuked Michelle, saying, quote, she is a he, his name is Draco, not Sage. Then the judge accused the Blairs of emotional and physical abuse. Though, in Michelle's words, quote, we just learned that she claimed to be trans and we're willing to use any name and pronoun to bring her home. My husband was so tearful he kept forgetting the new pronoun, so the judge had the bailiff remove him from the courtroom. I was pleading for my child to be returned and treated for her unspeakable trauma. Judge Kershaw told me that if I used the word trauma again, he'd throw me out too. Well, Judge Kershaw withheld custody from Sage's parents for over two months. And during that time, Sage was transferred to a state facility for boys, where once again, she was sexually abused. She ran away again, and once again, was a victim of human trafficking. When she resurfaced months later in Texas, she was returned to Virginia and spent more months in a court-appointed mental health care clinic. 
The counselors at that center push her towards a double mastectomy as a solution for her mental health issues. Today, nearly a year after the ordeal began, Sage has been allowed to come home. Her adoptive parents were vindicated after a months-long state inquiry concluded that there had been no evidence of abuse on their part. For Sage, however, the damage has been done. Now, even with the loving support of her parents and having long desisted from her trans identity, she still suffers from severe anxiety, panic attacks, and medical issues resulting from all that she suffered. And the most damning part of Sage's story is just how tragically predictable all of it was once the state chose to ignore decades of research, the entire weight of human experience, common sense, and the rights of parents to take care of their children. Still, Sage's example is about as plain as any I've heard of just how trans ideology destroys our most essential relationships, of a child to her body, of a child to her parents, of a family with a wider community, of a judge to justice, of citizens to state authorities. When legal authorities embrace bad ideas, the consequences are just all the more devastating for the victims. There's also a lesson here for Christians who are unsure of whether or not we should engage in politics and who wish to only stay in our lane of proclaiming the gospel. To those folks, Sage's story speaks loudly as well. Every generation of Christians who have ever faced conflict within a pagan cultural context has had to protect children. Our pagan moment is no different. We will answer before God about whether or not we remain silent or we dare to speak on behalf of children like Sage and her parents who face incredible opposition just like hers did. May we be known for our love for them expressed through a courage that challenges evils like the evils that Sage faced until they are a thing of the past. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Today's Breakpoint was co-authored by Casey Leander. For more resources to live like a Christian today, go to breakpoint.org. Yeah, you. Can I ask you a question? How do you feel about your future? I mean, is it a little scary to think about? Well, if so, Billy Graham has some good news for you. The scriptures look into the future with promise, hope, and joy. There can be no pessimism or wringing of hands with the Christian. There is courage, fortitude, and power in the midst of crisis. Heaven is no myth, no idle dream, no figment of the imagination. It is as real as the world we see about us today. And it will be yours and mine if we want to share it by coming to Jesus Christ and accepting Him as our Savior. Would you like to pray with someone about starting a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? You can call us right now at 855-255-7729. That's 855-255-PRAY. There is hope for your future. The number again, 855-255-7729. We're the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association.